0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine, podcast radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the path or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the Internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net.
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of Tech Done Different. I am your host, Ted Harrington, and with me here today is our special guest, Zach Belanger. He's the CEO of Mob Entertainment. Zach, thanks so much for joining the show.
2: For sure, thanks, Ted, for the time.
1: Yeah, I was really excited to have you on the show and talk about entrepreneurship, really. As I understand it, you've you know, kind of wanted to start a company, be a CEO since you were a kid. And that definitely resonated with me because I felt exactly the same way when I was young. So tell me a little bit about that origin. Like, when did you realize that that's what you wanted to do? And once you realized it, what was the first thing that you did in order to pursue that dream of yours?
2: Well, so I would say... My mom told me once that when I was, I think I was three, I had a shirt that I really liked that had like a duck on it, but it said something of, I'm the boss. So when I when I was three, even since then, I guess in some form, but beyond that, realistically, I would say since I was in certainly a teenager, you know, I mean, part, part of that comes from just who raised you and what was your environment. And my dad was a very independent, you know, he was from New Hampshire, live free or die, very free spirit, independent kind of person. The government's not going to tell me what to do kind of guy. And so, Inherited some of that certainly, and just didn't like the idea of having my own boss. So that, I mean, that that alone uh, was one of the biggest problems. I just didn't want to have my own boss, which isn't something I necessarily typically advertise to my employees because that's not something that they necessarily get to experience. But I just try to be the best boss that I can to to them, and not not everyone has the same goals, obviously. Well, so. Uh, the, the company today, Mob Entertainment, it was formerly known as Enchanted Mob, which for about from 2015 until really, you know, very recently. And my younger brother first made a video on YouTube. It has over 60 million views today. So it was just a, a music video that he had animated. And so because we, so we started out on YouTube and then we got into game design later. That was kind of how our, our cycle went. And anyway, it was just seeing some of the initial success of what, what he, like this little video he was able to do. And how we could turn that into something much, much bigger, much greater than that. That was really the first step of here's a particular concept that we could explore. It's in the entertainment space, which, you know, I mean, you only get to live once. And you know, no offense to anyone who's working on things that I would consider to be less interesting, but you know, a lot of people like the idea of working on video games and and content and and media. And that's what we like doing that as well. It might not like we're curing cancer, but we are making people happy. So it has a utility. But that that's that's what
1: we focused on. Did that answer the question? Okay. Yeah, sure did. There's no wrong answer to the question. It was really interesting this idea that I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel what you express, this idea of you know not wanting to have a boss. And so I want to dig into that a little bit because I think I think there's some really interesting ideas in that because so you don't want to have a boss. Now you are a boss, and so you wanna be a good boss. So what are the things that you think make a boss good right the the like why did you not want a boss and what are the things that you want to make sure the people who work for you feel and experience because they work for you
2: well so as far as not having a boss it's like a little i mean i guess maybe it's a little I, you know maybe it's a little ego stroking it's just I, I didn't feel that i i didn't feel that i would have the opportunity to achieve as much whenever somebody i don't i just don't like idea of somebody assessing my performance in a not clearly measurable way. Maybe if I was a sales guy, I could see exactly what I was doing or something like that. I just don't like the idea of a subjective performance review whatsoever. I don't really like doing them on the other end of the table, let's say, but there's, you know, there's some utility in them, but I just hate the idea of giving someone else giving me a performance review because for me, it's also like, you know, bosses can shoot down your ideas. And sometimes, sometimes the right idea might sound the craziest, but it's not as crazy as it seems. And they might not have as much vision as you might have and so on and so so forth. It's like, I just did not have any interest in having somebody else shoot down my ideas because they didn't like them. And it's because in reality, if I can just do them myself and make them work and, and be correct enough, then I can just do this myself and I don't need somebody else somebody else's approval. So that, that was really the reason why is I thought I could do it without needing a boss and, and then, well, then why would I have one? And I feel like that's really what a lot of ent- entrepreneurs think. If you, don't, if you could go and start a company yourself, why wouldn't you? But you can get into other things of like work-life balance and it's not right for everyone, so on and so forth. But for me, I'm a natural workaholic as well. I was always a very type A kind of person. So there was a bunch of reasons that it made sense to do.
1: So you talk about this idea that there, I'm interpreting your words here, but this idea that, you know, if you want to achieve something, you're by being an entrepreneur, you remove one more barrier to do that, right? Which is someone who could say no. Now, as you're on the other side of, of that equation, you are the boss. And when people come to you with their ideas that they w- might want to do within the company, maybe take a company in certain directions, or even down to small things like how to spend their time, does that influence the way that you think about these requests like you said this thing i wrote down is pretty cool you said sometimes the right ideas sound the craziest so what happens when you, one of your people comes to you with a crazy idea how do you think about that
2: i would like to think that i'm the only person who's going to listen in the whole company to be honest yeah i mean among other things this is just you know natural for me it's just like i also like shock humor and i like saying shocking things and so whenever your idea is going to be shocking and you can deliver it in a very shocking way kind of like maximum impact i don't know it's like that's there's there's certain ways you can deliver things but yeah whenever somebody brings me an idea that sounds crazy i really like to think that no matter how crazy it might be i really will try to take it seriously because what i don't what really what i don't like is the boring idea that's the like like crazy idea like crazy really if if we were to define that crazy in the sense that it's risky but probably has the potential to do a lot for the firm in some meaningful way, likely financially. So it's uh, I, I base it on that, and if, if if they're able to you know bring an idea that's really going to make a big difference to the firm, it's it's my you know obligation. I, I should be listening to that idea um, and vouching for it, and I try try to take them very seriously. I don't like the idea that's this is how it's been done for you know since they've been selling bread since 1000 BC, and we're going to do it this way. It's like eh, you know, but that obviously not some conventional wisdom is certainly worth keeping as well. So that's not an you know an indication that you shouldn't listen to any conventional thinking. That's not true at all, but just doing things in modern ways and doing things in, uh, in, in just new ways. It has more potential cutting out, cutting out inefficiencies. That's something else that I would talk about. It's like, you know, when you look at like, for anyone who's familiar with like Poppy Playtime Chapter 2, which we just released last Thursday, it is almost a two-hour game. We've been getting compliments um, across the board. Everyone believes, it's, well, you know, not everyone, but really, really solid feedback that it just completely blew the first one out of the water and that we set a high bar before that. And we did that with a very small team with very limited resources compared to what a lot of other studios and in only like six, seven months. And when you kind of put all this together for people who really understand like what would go into making a game like what we made in that period of time at that quality level, and it's only our second one ever, it's like you have to be very lean, very efficient. So doing things in, it's a really the way we call it, is doing it the indie way as opposed to the industry way. The industry way, you could think of it as the government. It's, it's, it's reliable, it's solid, it's going to get you where you need to go, but it might be inefficient, it might take longer, but it is solid. The Indie way is way more risky. It's more like Facebook's motto of, you know, move fast, break things. It's but but you, you can accomplish more with less in the Indie way in general. And so ideas that are in that vein of thinking are the ones that I try to recognize. And I would also think people would call the crazy ones.
1: Yeah, you're, you're preaching the choir here for sure. I mean, this whole show is about like, how do we reject conventional thinking and, and think about ideas differently? So I totally love it. And this idea of, you know, as we hear crazy ideas, maybe maybe that should be not necessarily that it's a green flag, but that we hear an idea that's crazy. And it's like, hmm, ooh, let's, let's think about this one a little bit because it is so far outside of the box. Yeah, we even at our organization, we try to think about what are the kinds of ideas that the only way to execute that idea requires you to completely rethink the problem. Like you don't want just an incremental improvement on the solution. It's like, how do we, how do we get 10 times the result for one tenth the price? And it's like, oh well, well we could never do that the way we're doing it now. So that sort of reframes the problem. Is that the way that you guys typically think that we should consider and approach these, these wacky type ideas, or is there a better formula?
2: Also um, as far as like, how, what was the exact way that you approach it again?
1: Well, the way that we think about it is, how do you get ten times the result for one tenth the investment?
2: Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. We actually call
1: that our ten ten rule, and um, I, I like it. But that's just our thing. That's like there's there's no it's not like a standard way of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. The point more is like, how do we how do we stretch people's thinking, right? How do we think not in the conventional ways?
2: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I know. It's really hard to convince people of that or open their mind to it. It's almost like a I mean, it almost means you're giving them psychedelics and then trying to explain it to them because their mind almost won't let them go there. And it's funny, it's like, you know, and everyone watching this show, I assume, has heard the the quote. So, I, you know, if I was talking to a group of non business people, I would definitely use this, but uh, bear with me, you know, the whole Henry Ford before the Model T, everyone always said they wanted a faster horse. And it's very true. So, you just have to. Yeah, Walt Disney also talked a little bit about this in a way he, once I saw. He he uh, talked about it's super hard. It was what Disney said. It was really hard for him to explain something to people sometimes. They just wouldn't get it. And Walt Disney's known as kind of being a visionary, if you really think about the actual person that, that he was. And what he said he did was if he could make something. And show them that, then it would be very different. So when he's like, you know, designing Disneyland or something like that, he would make these scale models or have his artists help him or what have you. But the point was, it would be a difficult sell of this is what it's going to be with just words, and the whole picture says a thousand words thing. So I guess my point that I'm getting at is like, how do you explain to people that we need to be thinking outside of the box? Sometimes you need a proof of concept to to. To show them what it could be and as far as like trying to cut costs and things like that those are a little more abstract it's a little difficult to you know you can't exactly make a scale model that's going to show that maybe you could make some kind of spreadsheet in excel or something like that but just having a visual to accommodate the point can be very helpful and i also think but you have to pick your battles not every single time you need to do that and it also like if you know that the people you're going to be trying to talk to are going to be very resistant to a particular idea so that's really like I won't even go into that, but it's like a whole other tangent of like trying to really understand the brain of the person that you're talking to. It's the same reason I watched, you know, make sure to brush up on some of your most recent podcasts before talking to you. So that I'm more familiar with what, what I, what, what you would be like. And so it's the same way. You can curate your answers and curate your presentation or curate your pitch too, because you know who you're working with, it's the same people, understand who they are and predict what they're going to be the most upset about with your crazy idea and have the counter arguments already ready. And so then the crazy idea won't sound as crazy anymore. As soon as you start knocking off all the like reasons, predict what they're going to have a problem with, come in with ammunition, you know?
1: Yeah, I like that. Uh, you're talking, I guess, really about empathy, right? How do we put ourselves in the shoes of the audience? We're trying to convince of an idea and anticipate how they might react positively or negatively to it. And yeah, that, that, that's really good advice. You said this thing when we were preparing for your appearance with, with my team, where you, I wanted to ask you about it and you said, and maybe I'm misquoting. <laughs> so like first, am I getting this right? And then tell me about the idea. You said something along the lines of, uh, the longest shots sometimes aren't actually that much of long shots. And I thought that was a really inspiring idea of like what we think maybe is difficult or maybe even impossible. Maybe it isn't. That's the way I understood it. But can you tell me what you meant about this idea? And I'd like to hear more about it.
2: Sure. I I can give you plenty of examples. The idea that we would make a YouTube video that would organically get 60 million views. That's not our biggest, by the way. It's not a bragging, bragging way, but it's like, you know, that would have seemed like a long shot. You go ask any kid that wants to make a popular YouTube video our our most popular has over 200 million views we have the second largest minecraft video ever made kind of funny that we make video games now that are you know competing with that uh, it's ironic um, but yeah it's like that would have seemed like a total long shot the idea that we would make the next like and if you're familiar with our space particularly like in 2014 the five nights at freddy's games came out and that's what really jump-started this new genre of these indie horror games some people call it mascot horror we are another version of that so in in the same genre let's say who are the new we're the new players and we kind of made content in and around that type of content for a long time on youtube but the idea that then we we and so we were animation people like you know games i mean making a video game what you have to know how you hear the buzzwords or you have to know how to program you have to learn how to code you're going to have to do all these things well, I mean, first of all, you could try to hire people to do that, which we did, which does help help right there. But like that right there would be a crazy idea. Like back then in, in a meeting of like, yeah, we're an animation studio. Now we're just going to get into games and we're going to make like the hottest game especially by the time that chapter two comes out like at least on twitch there was more people watching poppy playtime on twitch and youtube than any other game elden ring fortnite you name it you know and it's like that's a complete long shot there's no way that you would think we'd be able to do something like that but we didn't even really have so so but so that's also different because we didn't have a specific goal we our goal wasn't to beat fortnite on twitch necessarily we're happy to do so but that wasn't our goal the the difference is When you do have a, so that's also harder. When you know exactly what you're trying to do and you don't know if it's possible, that feels much more like a long shot. So an example of that, which is one that we almost didn't even try is among other things for our animation division, we're working on a show right now. We're doing it the most insane way you can because of course we are, which is we're making the entire thing, then we're going to pitch it to streaming services later. A lot of times you kind of go there sooner. We go into why it's not really that interesting for the purposes of this conversation. But among other things, you're really just kind of guessing as you go through this, we believed that having a celebrity cast on the show would make a difference, not only in terms of price value of the show, but also just the cultural relevance when it's actually finished and uh, everything in between. It would give, it, uh, we're a new, younger firm. We have more and more credibility, the more that we're able to accomplish. But in these kinds of Hollywood circles, it's all about you know who you know or your reputation, which we don't have. And so being able to attach these other names is very, very valuable at this particular juncture. However, I mean, when you think about, you know, I I won't say the names, but you think about like people that are on shows and movies that you've seen or on on Saturday Night Live and places like that, reputable people, reputable people that you say the name, they know of them. Not not everyone will know, but the point is they are celebrities by and large. And especially when it's like, you know, you show a video like, oh, I've seen that person. Not everyone knows the name. So, but anyway, um, that's like a complete long shot because it's like how, first of all, so now like. I mean, like, Ted, would you like to start trying to talk to talent agencies like that are out in out in L.A.? And it's like, I don't know, like the first time I called them, uh, I didn't really have like, the, you know, they, they pick up the phone, you know, and, and then they're saying something to me and I didn't have like the best answer prepared for what they were. So I was just trying to like get a little bit of information. We're starting from square one here and, and they hung up on me. You know, it's like, that wasn't fun, but it's like, so, of, and we had no frame of reference. How much do you pay people for something like this? You can Google something, but it's like, it's not going to be exactly accurate. You can ask people who's probably even worse because sometimes people will tell you information that's so off base and that's so annoying. People will tell you things that then they will act confident when they don't actually know it to be true. I don't know why people are so deceitful on that. That's like a problem with human beings, frankly, that's a whole other thing. Uh, I'm losing my train of thought at this point, but where where what was the question
1: we were we were talking about this idea of that not all long shots are super long and you're talking about you know getting a celebrity cast we have no idea how to do that in order to produce a show
2: but we were able to do it like, like so far we've we've been able to do it we've we, you know we had we had four that we're trying to sign we've done three or waiting on the fourth it's like that was completely impossible but we just made an offer like well, this is what we could afford to do this is how much value we see in it and surprisingly, it was in the realm of possibility i mean you might who knows and what? Do they pay them ten million dollars? I think who? Kn- I don't know. Do you know? You know, it's like I don't really know. So we just we just we went for it, and it's and it's also like you know you could be potentially wasting time. I mean, it took hundreds of emails like negotiating to figure out like what what are we really talking about here. But 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 that did not stop us, and so it's like we've we've been able to do something that I would not think we would be able to do. So that was like very much a long shot, but it actually wasn't. We just didn't know that.
1: So it almost sounds like you're talking about their. It's like a matter of perception is a long shot. In fact, long, if you think it is, maybe it is, but that's different from the practical reality of whether or not it's a long shot, but your perception in this case, on this story you're talking about is that it was a long shot yet. You chose to pursue it anyway. Um, What was it that helped influence your thinking to pursue this perceived long shot?
2: Yeah, it was a good question because so kind of try to think of things as like, You want to have the maximum potential for something to work. Don't leave anything that you can, not leave up to serendipity, Put as much as you can control as possible. There's so many things in life you can't control. What can we control? Well, one thing we can control is doing as many things as possible. The last thing we ever wanted to do was make an entire show, go to the parties that be, and not get anywhere with them. And I guess eventually, maybe if we do a part two on this, you can hear how that goes. We'll see. But the reality is we thought, well, you know, If it didn't work, what would our detox session be of like, man, we completely fumbled this. It didn't work. Why? What did we do wrong? What could we have done differently? Or was it actually impossible? It's like, and we didn't believe it's impossible. Then it's like, well, among other things, you know, if we had had celebrity casts attached to the show, would that have made a difference to the executives that are kind of living and breathing in that world? It might have. And so it's like, well, you know, you know, yeah, we don't think we can do it but it might make a huge difference. So we might as well try because, you know, so it was just like, really like if it didn't work, this is why we think it wouldn't work. So we might as well try. It was just compelling enough.
1: I like that. We might as well try. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst case you, well, I guess there are some bad cases. You invest a lot of time and money and effort. It diverts your attention from from other things. And that is in fact, actually a pretty significant risk for any entrepreneur, right? Is you only have so much time and attention. And if you're focused on the wrong things, then, you know, that's not good. But it sounds like this worked out for you. You had a sort of calculus of some sort about how you wanted to pursue it, why you wanted to pursue it, and and here we are. So I like this idea. So for the person who's listening right now and they're considering some wacky idea feels like a long shot to them, what would the advice be for how they should think about whether or not this long shot is worth pursuing?
2: I mean, I think among other things, they should look and see has it been done before because if it has, then Do you believe that you are less intelligent, less competent than the person who already did it? And if so, then maybe you can't, you know, but do you, if you believe in yourself and you believe that, no, you would be able to do it because somebody else did it. Like, you know, you can think of it either way, like, oh, this other person did it. I could never do it, but, or you could say, oh, this other person did it. Maybe I could do it too. It's really however you want to think about it. And it depends on who you're comparing yourself to, obviously. If you're talking about starting another rocket company, like because Elon Musk did it, i you know be a little more careful with that one. It just, it just depends. But just like if someone else has been able to accomplish it. Now, if it's something that's completely, completely new, that's never been done before. And most of the time, I don't know. I mean, I think like most of the time, no one's doing anything that's that crazy new all the time. Like a lot of things are just incrementally new things you're building on progress that you already have. But the, but the more uncertainty of like no human being has ever accomplished whatever it is that I'm trying to do, that I would be, you know, more and more skeptical of my ability to do it because if no one else has done it, am I really the only person that can or at least the first to have done this? And if so, then that still doesn't mean you couldn't. It just It just I, like, you know, be, when you're thinking about putting all your eggs in a particular basket scenario, that's what I would be concerned about.
1: I like that. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the the fact that, I forget what the exact barrier was, but it was something like no one had ever run a mile under four minutes or something until someone did it. And then it was like it happened every single race the year after that. And it's almost like our our brains can sometimes be self-limiting, but once we see that someone else has done something, it helps us unlock some other part, and so I'm hearing you say, like, "Hey, if someone else has done it, and you believe in yourself enough that you can do it, then go do it," <laughs> right?
2: Pretty much, yeah, definitely.
1: Cool. Well, as our uh, our time is wrapping up here, what should we leave our audience with? What's some some parting wisdom or something I didn't ask you about that I should have on this this topic of how do we uh, how do we innovate? How do we think differently?
2: Uh, I mean, the, the one thing I would say would just be. It's it's so cliche, you know, it's just so many movies have the message and it's just, it's just so lost in translation. But the the point is true, which is to believe in yourself and pursue what you want to pursue. Keep your bearings straight, but believe in yourself and try it and just do it anyway. And, And I would also say start as soon as possible. That's probably the only other thing, you know, and people have more time than they think they do people are amazing. at self-deception. If I, you know, and I don't have any time. I need to go and watch this show. It's like, don't lie to yourself. I mean, you know, it's so anyway, just, just believe in yourself and, and uh, try and work hard.
1: I love it. Well, Zach, you've helped me think differently about a lot of things. You've provided so much wisdom today. I really appreciate you coming on the show.
2: Great. Yeah. Thanks, Ted. It's nice talking.
1: And for everyone else, as you're listening, if you want to know more about what Zach is up to or learn more about the podcast, just go to com backslash podcast, and we'll catch you next time.
0: CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the Internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think,